If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 to 11. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 to 11. I guess you could say this morning we're a 711 church. Seven words sang 11 times. That's the way it works. So we've looked a lot uh, in the book of 1 John. We see that John primarily is concerned about those who say that they're saved, but in actuality are not. The Gnostics believed that they had a special knowledge that helped them rise above the pollution of the world. Since the body was evil, you could do whatever you want to do, and that's fine. John wrote to say, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. Yes, you're going to sin, but that should not be the goal of the Christian life. Now, in looking at this, these verses here, behold, I am writing you a new commandment, but an old commandment that you've heard from the beginning, John unpacks again a clarity that you either are or you aren't. Only two options. And so when we look at observations of this text, first of all, you'll notice that command is used four times. There's a difference between darkness and light. There's also the idea of love and hate. So John is really trying, with this word command here, to make a point. This is something important for us to grasp. Darkness and light, love and hate, sight and blindness is implied in the text. So this, this idea of command to love, it's, it's, it's old, but it's also new. But more importantly, as we unpack this, its capacity to reveal character. This will be shown as we live our lives. Now, first of all, we want to look at the law of love, and we look at verse 7. And John writes this, Behold, I am writing you no new commandment, but a commandment that you heard from the beginning. Beloved, John, last week we looked, he said, my little children. So John, as he's getting older in life, has more and more affection for other believers. John will be exiled here, but his concern at the end of his time is one of love. And it's a good thing that he has affection because he's getting ready to unpack what love is and what love is not how love manifests itself, and how sinfulness manifests itself. I am writing you no new commandment. So if we look at this, and there's a lot of scholars that have a lot of things to say about this, and there at my desk I was kind of glazing over as I'm reading all these different, in, uh, different interpretations. The word commandment is intole, intole, which suggests an order. It is a command, something that is to be carried out, something that is to be done. So what John's saying here is, look, what I'm getting ready to say to you is something that you've already known. Now, the big question comes into play. Since this was a 
predominantly Gentile church, this is where the confusion comes into play. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have heard from the beginning. And this word beginning, RK, means a point at which something began. So scholars are divided. Some say that this is a reference to Leviticus 19.18, which would be an old commandment. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. That is to the Israelites. They're, your neighbor is a fellow Israelite. You're not supposed to bear grudges. And then, of course, the famous phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, Moses adds. Then there are those, because it was a predominantly Gentile church, who would not have known those commandments from the Old Testament, would not have been familiar with that. And this word beginning, it's not the same word that's used like in Genesis. Uh, this beginning means a starting point at some point in time. Now, there's some scholars that argue that Jesus was asked a question, Lord, what are the, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is likened to it, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater. Jesus quotes Leviticus. He quotes that Leviticus verse, uh, Leviticus 19.18. So if you put this together, the beginning point, which was a spot in time, or the old commandment, would have to be, as I understand this, the beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth. Because Jesus said it, and he quoted it. Yes, he used Leviticus 19.18, but would have had to have been the point of time, because of what John writes here that follows it, it lines up perfectly with what I'm getting ready to tell you. So it has to be from the beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the time of Christ, because he is our advocate, and he makes intercession for us before the Father, it would have to be at this point because of what John is going to unveil. Now, we look, secondly, the law of love is not only old, but it's also new. This is where the kicker comes in. This is where it becomes apparent that the issue is surrounding Christ and not the Old Testament commandment. Though you can't throw the Old Testament commandment out, it's still a good command to obey. For believers, we don't treat each other poorly. But the issue here is, Christ is the beginning of the old and the new. So watch. At the same time, it is a new commandment. Okay? That I am writing to you. Here's the key. Which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So what does John mean when he says, okay, I'm not writing you a new commandment. It's an old commandment. But I am writing you a new commandment. And it's going to come out to focus on Christ. Now, how is it new? How is this command new? It's new because of its perspective. It's new because of its perspective. 
Jesus himself said, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Well, the command to love was already around, but now we're talking in the realm of Christ. Now we're talking that Jesus himself said, a new command I'm going to give to you. Even though you've, you've heard it from the Old Testament, I'm going to give you a new command. One of the keys is, as I have loved you. And the question is, how has Christ loved us? Christ loved us by going to the cross to pay for our sins. Christ loves us every day. And therefore, in that sense, it can be true. But the real defining moment on this new perspective and a new radical way in which this love is expressed and by which that love is experienced is this. Which is true in Christ and also in you. A little word study here on aletheis, aletheis. And this word true means, it can mean true as opposed to false, which is true. It can mean truthful as opposed to untruthful. And again, you have to, you have to, you have to make a decision as to what this word means based on the application and its placement within the context. It can mean real or genuine. I think we're digging in closer to what is meant here. It is genuine in Christ. It is genuine in us. But it can also refer to what is truly expressed. Jesus is the epitome of love. Jesus is the one who set the standard for love. And since it is true in Jesus, by virtue of our union with him, it is also true in us. And as we follow Christ and become more like him and less like the world, that, that love begins to manifest in our lives. I had a visit yesterday, wonderful family, and just, it was just a great visit. Um, yeah, and you can see the love expressed in this person. So the issue here is, this is a different kind of love by the nature of Christ. You could actually fake it in the Old Testament, but inwardly not be right. We can all fake stuff, but what he, John's driving at with this word in him and in you is something that is beyond the external, but it's in the internal. So this is where it's new. This is the new love that John is talking about, this new commandment to love. I like what Colin Cruz said in his commentary this reflects something of the author's perceptions concerning his readers. They are not only dear friends, they are also people in whom he believes the original message is bearing genuine fruit. Now it's not a far stretch at that point to realize that what John is talking about here 
is that this is a fruit that is bearing and he qualifies it in the next phrase but the darkness is passing away and the true light is shining scotia darkness evil or realm of evil but i think it takes the softer sense here meaning sinful behavior so if we look at it this way the new commandment to love is something that is found in Christ and found in us as believers but it is also true that that love is growing because as we as we start our Christian journey here we start walking the darkness is passing away That means that you are getting more and more light. That means you are becoming more and more like Jesus. And that, John says, that light is already shining in you. The darkness, the, I mean, I go back and I look at my life where I started as as my Christian walk. And as I've grown and as I've understood more and more about Christ, yes, I'm less and less sinful because I've learned the reality of sin and the consequence of sin, but as I'm growing, more and more of the light of God is beginning to take shape in my life. And so in that sense, the darkness is passing. So as you grow in your Christian walk and as you become more like Christ, you'll sin less and less. And that's exactly John's point here. You do not accept Christ and then live as you want to live. You accept Christ, and then you become more and more like him so that the darkness, the sinful behavior, all of that will begin to subside over time. Not not eradicated. Because John's already told us in chapter 2, verse 1, if any man does sin, verse 2, he has an advocate with the Father, and Jesus says, charge it to me. So again, John says it's new in the sense that it is in Christ, It is in his followers, and his followers seek to become more like him. And as they do that, the light of the gospel and the light of God's love begins to take over the darkness, and we become more like him. And that that little bit right there took me about eight hours to filter through. It is, in essence, a growth issue. It is a growth issue. So this new love, this command to love, which we'll get into in just a minute here, is is one in which when we receive Christ, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit begins then, in Romans 8, His Spirit adopts our spirit, so that by by that adoption, He can begin to filter the light of the gospel and the light of truth in us, so that that light can come out. John's concern was that there were those in the church saying, live like you please. Do what you want to do, it doesn't matter. The only thing you need is this. Well, let me tell you this. This is a very simple, old illustration. Some people miss the kingdom of God by this far. 
You can have head knowledge of Christ, but not heart knowledge. You can know many Bible verses, but that does not mean that you're saved. The definition of salvation is that when you are saved, you want to become more and more like Jesus and less and less like the world. And as you open your heart up to Christ to let the light of Christ shine in you, he begins to manifest that light to where it goes out and people go, wow, there's something different about you. And that's the real, the real issue. John calls him, dear friends, my little children, because he loves them. And he's saying in a very wonderful way, I see that you have the light of Christ living inside of you. Because the darkness that you used to be in as Gentiles is starting to dim, and the light of Christ is beginning to be revealed in you. It is a very tender way of telling them you are doing a great job growing in your relationship to Christ. If we think about the gospel, the gospel is, in a sense, an illuminating light. Do you remember the aha moment you had when you realized that you were a sinner? That's the piercing light of the gospel. That's the light that you go, I was in darkness. I was blind, but now I see. I know what it means now to be a sinner because I am, and then I repent of my sin, ask Christ to come into my heart, and Lord, live your life through me so that the light of the gospel, the light of your truth, the light of your love will flow through me. And that's what John's driving at, and this is what he said. So having established that, yes, it's an old commandment, which Jesus quoted, obviously, Leviticus 19.18, but it is new in the sense that it is inward. It is in the heart and life of the believer. That is where it's new. That is where it takes shape. And that is where it is lived in our hearts. Now, the second thing is that this love must be lived out. Again, over against the backdrop of these people claiming to be Christians but really aren't. You know, I often wonder, and I, I have to admit, that I often wonder, did I make the gospel too easy for people? Trust in Christ, absolutely. But then there's times I wonder and sometimes worry that I didn't focus so much on the discipleship aspect because we love getting people to the altar, don't we? We love getting people saved, and there's, that's, a, that's a good goal. But then there's the discipleship part of it, and I wonder at times, particularly when I was a younger pastor, did I just, in my zeal, want people to be saved, which you should, and if the day I'm not excited about that's the day I need to walk away from the pulpit. But the other issue here is, how to help people become more and more like Christ. And it's something for us to think about. Now notice what John says. We're going to do 9 and 11, then we're going to go back to 10. Because 9 and 11 focus on those who say this. Whoever says he is in the light but hates his brother 
is still in the darkness. The issue here is on the person who habitually violates the command to love. So it's not like there's going to be times in your lives when you have trouble getting along with somebody. Uh, you still need to try to overcome that. But this is a person who just hates everybody. This is a person that, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I don't like you. And actually, uh, this word light, which is phos, we've seen that word before, it's darkness as opposed to light. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify and glorify and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. So to say that we belong to Christ at the same time, using the word hate, which is, this is interesting, miso, miso. And that means to strongly dislike someone to the point of hostility. That is somebody that is associated with the darkness. That is somebody who is engulfed in darkness. And if that person continues to live there, it's kind of proof that they don't know Christ. It's kind of proof. Look, we should never get to a point, and I have to, I have to catch myself at times when I think about the lost world and I think about how evil it is and, and I look at this and, and I go, these people are godless. But at the same time, I need to be careful that I don't let the darkness use the darkness to overcome me. Ultimately, brothers and sisters, when we walk out this door today and we go out into this world, we need to love people. Even those who do not love us or who do not love Christ. That's the only way that they're going to see the true light of the gospel is by how we live our lives. Curtis Vaughn, another one of my favorite theologians, wrote this, to claim to be in the light is claim to be regenerate. Totally agree. In that realm over which the light of God's self-revelation sheds its radiant beam, so John says, look, you have somebody over here that's a Gnostic or an unbeliever, and they say, I'm a Christian. But yet, when you look at their lives, they're filled with hate. I'm going to tell you something. This is the worst period of time that I have ever seen in my life when you look at the world. We live in an angry, hateful world. So how are, how are we going to overcome that? As believers, we have to rise above and live a light of love. Not acceptance or, or okay, it's okay if you're sending. No. What I'm saying is that they're going to they're gonna look at us, and if we're doing exactly the same thing, then we have to be careful. We have to look at, at our lives as well. This person, John says, whoever says he's in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. 
And again, this word hate means to dislike to the point of hostility. And you may run into that. You may run into that as you live your life. And some by so-called Christians. Three things can be said about this person. Number one, he is in darkness. That is morally and spiritually in darkness. That's the way John defines this word, darkness. Yeah, and you really see this all around you. Uh, by the way that people live. You, I mean, you, can, you can get a good barometer. Ultimately, though, God is the one that will judge whether a person's saved or not. But Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. You'll, you'll, you'll kind of get a good idea of where they are. And... At, as a pastor, I've run into this over the years. Sometimes I had good responses, sometimes maybe not so much good. But Secondly, he walks in darkness. He doesn't have a clear direction. Look at the analogy. If he walks in darkness, he's unable to see anything around him because he doesn't have the light of the gospel or she doesn't have the light of the gospel so there's no other way it can be except to walk in darkness They're, they can't see, they don't know they don't understand that there is a, a loving light of Christ that can come into their heart a third thing uh, and this is actually in verse 11 but whoever hates his brother in darkness walks in darkness does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This person can't see the light of the gospel. They are completely blind. And when you look at our world today and everything that's happening, stuff that was unheard of 30 years ago, the stuff that we're having to encounter as believers, and that if believers stand up and say, well, we believe this, we are attacked. Churches being burned to the ground. Uh, pregnancy centers being bombed. This is, this, is a, this is the epitome of what it means to be lost in the world in which we are living today. So it's kind of like this. The person launches off into nothingness. When you are surrounded by darkness, it's a bad thing. During some of the wars that we've been involved in, people have been put in places of darkness, and it really does mess with your mind. And see, when you're in the darkness, Satan has control over you. And a person who is lost doesn't even know what they're doing. So I think when we think about 1 Corinthians, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they should not obey the truth. Then one of the primary starting points 
for believers. When you have an unbeliever that you've, you've been worried about, concerned about, is pray that the darkness would be lifted. Ask the Holy Spirit to let the light of the gospel penetrate their heart so that they can see the truth. Because God doesn't blind anybody. Satan does. And so they live in this realm of darkness where it just seems there's, there's no point to life. That's why unbelievers look all over the place to find fulfillment. Because they're missing the light of the gospel and they're missing the fulfillment of Christ. Now the light, the light in verse 10, whoever loves his brother abides in the light. Now that's us. So we've looked at the darkness. This must be lived out. John's saying, look at how they're living and this is how you live. So whoever loves his brother is in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Of course there's no cause for stumbling because you're not in the darkness. You're not fumbling, fumbling your way around. You've, you see the light of the gospel. This word loves is agapao. We've seen it before. It's to have a genuine concern for others. I love this. I love this picture. Believers praying. That's a sign of love where we come around, and, and I know this church, we've, we've had people that's had problems, and we bring them to the front, and this church rallies around them and prays for them. That is a mark of somebody that loves his brother. We, we show concern for one another. The world only shows concern for one another outside of here with all kinds of different motives for doing so. Last night, we were watching, I know, don't laugh. We were watching Father Knows Best. And Bud, the oldest boy in the program, you know Bud. They were going to buy a little radio for, yeah, I'm living in the 50s. I don't know what to tell you, but They were in their Sunday school class. That's something you don't see in TV today. They're talking Sunday school class. So he says, we'd like to pitch in and get everybody, or, or get this little boy who broke his leg, a radio. Because it was, I guess, a big deal in the 50s, have a radio. So Bud had $10 in his pocket, but he didn't have change. And Bud walked out of the room, the other boys threw a total of 35 cents in. And Bud had the, the $10 bill, he walked out, and then he thought about it, and he walked back in, and he put it in there, and then he wanted credit for it. His dad said, you can't do that, old man. That's what he called him, old, old man. He said, what difference does it make who gets the credit? When we are believers, it really doesn't matter to us. The most important thing that we can do in our Christian walk is to live for him follow him and do what he tells us to do and we don't take any of the credit for it we shouldn't all credit belongs to the one who redeemed me who saved me who loves me and this word light again is the word phos 
that is opposed to darkness morally. Minnow is the word abides. To remain or continue. Perseverance. It's an awesome photo. On one end you have darkness, on the other end you have light. You can see everything around you because you have the light of the gospel in you. So the question is, how do we continue in the light? How do we continue to follow Christ when it is increasingly harder and harder and it feels like we are surrounded by a wall of darkness, which, by the way, we are? So how do we persevere and how do we keep going? Let me give you some suggestions. Number one, pray for the day. When your feet hit the floor, say, God, help me to live for you today. Help me to love. Help me to uh, show people what it means to be a Christian. God, protect me from the evil one. That, that kind of thing. You, you, you hit the floor. And then guard your tongue. It's so easy for us just to... And then sometimes that really comes back to haunt us. Watch your walk. Make sure that you're following Christ. If people that like to point out, well, look at his life. I, I remember Dr. Windsor gave the best piece of advice that I've heard to this day. Somebody in class was complaining about somebody. And he, da 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 I was in preaching 101 or 102, one of those. And Dr. Windsor said this, and never forgot it. I wrote it down somewhere. I've lost it. I don't know where it is, but I did remember it. Dr. Windsor looked at him and he said, that's his life. Worry about yours. And that's pretty good advice. Watch our walk. Love others. Love others. Christians, yes. It, it should go without saying that everybody in here should love everybody else. Why? Because we have Christ living in us. That's why, we, that's why we love, because that love compels us to love each other. This word stumbling, skandalon, sounds like scandal, skandalon. That means, stumbling means to cause offense. So we have to live in such a way that we don't cause offense to others. Part of that is watching how we live and say, does this reflect the light of Christ? And then if it doesn't, then you throw it away and get rid of it. I've really been enjoying these little videos, and I think this is a really good video. Uh, I'm going to show it to close the sermon. When did we forget how to love? Did it happen suddenly? Or was it a gradual decline? When did we forget the very foundation of the gospel? For God so loved. Love is what moved God to action. Love is what held Jesus to the cross. 
Love is what rolled away the stone. But we, we've forgotten that part. Without love, we are simply a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal, a bunch of noise. Without love, we are nothing. Is that what people see in us? Meaningless, empty, noise? Love is supposed to be patient and kind, gentle, not angry or arrogant. Yet in our effort to stand on truth, we have forgotten the very thing these truths are based on. Love Never once did Jesus fail in this. Not in his heartbreak or his anger. Not in his joy or his betrayal. His default has always been love. Maybe it's time the church was more like Jesus. Jesus.